Welcome to The Rig Report, Episode 7. If you like what you're hearing here, make sure to hit that subscribe button, smash that like button, and hit the notifier so you're the first to see when new content becomes available. We have a show chocked full of information today. I can't wait to get into this episode. First up, we have Cooper Marsh, who talks about what it's like to be an agent during the quarterfinals. So we are here with Cooper Marsh uh, with Lab Management and agent to many of the CrossFit superstars. And I wanted to talk to Cooper so we could get a perspective of what it's like being an agent for CrossFit athletes during quarterfinals weekend and then going into semifinals. So thanks for joining me, Cooper. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again. So we are, uh, so we had you on the podcast, what, just like a month ago. And you talked about kind of what it was like during the open. What I want to understand is quarterfinals weekend came. You have athletes all over the country. You were in Vegas for the weekend. How do you make that choice and how do you keep up with all of your athletes? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 uh, the choice is kind of guided by who I feel needs the most support. Um, and so you know, we have, we have athletes all over the country and, you know, you have Amanda Barnhart over in comp train camp and you've got, you know, Dallin and Emma down in, and fee down in uh, Naples for brew. And so, you know, those people have very uh, established kind of ecosystems set up and, and, you know, it's, it's just very well run oil machine. That's not to say that underdogs isn't because, you know, underdogs has their whole culture set up and everybody there. But in terms of just proximity, it's easy for me to get there. I can drive there in four and a half hours. Um, and then with Danielle there and Bethany and Annika, who's, you know, traveling from down from Canada, um, it just seemed like that's the place where I could get the most bang for my buck, right? Like I can get three athletes um, in a place that's probably a little bit more chaotic because they're, you know, underdogs have so many good athletes that they could probably use another body to come in and help them, Um just kind of manage the show and, and judge people, et cetera. So, excuse me. So, um, yeah, I just, it was just kind of like, a, I think I could probably be the most help there. Whereas the other ones, they're a little bit smaller ecosystem, tighter knit. So, um, easier for them to, to, you know, run the show and go off without a hitch. So a couple of years ago, you famous, famously kind of started underdogs, right? You brought Bethany and Danielle to help carry, um, train for the games. <laughs> That's a stretch to say I started underdogs. Um, well, but I mean, I did, I, it's, it's funny though, but like, so, I mean, how that kind of happened is like, I saw Justin and Carrie and Carrie's always been an underdog, right? She's, I mean, she, she was the fittest American female five years in a row. I mean, fittest American female in history, as far as I'm concerned, at least for now. Um, and you know, she's always been an underdog and just like this ruthless, um, you know, and, and tenacious attitude in terms of like getting better and, and competing. And, you know, you, you pair that with Justin, who's just like a, a, an evil genius. He's a stud. Um, and he just like gets off on just, you know, grinding tooth and nail, which is like sick. Um, and so, yeah, I just saw their rapport and was like, damn, that should be like really emulated for, you know, Bethany and Danielle. And so, um, you know, we made the games thing happen that year and, and they hit it off and then, you know, they, they came together and, you know, Justin was bringing Tola out at the time and, uh, Matt DeLugos. And so, 
you know, then, then the underdogs program kind of kicked off, but yeah, I, I mean, I guess, I guess I helped them meet each other for the first time, but besides that, that was all they're doing. And, you know, Ashley and Justin and the crew there, uh, Jared and Kiefer and everyone else, Vinny, they're all crushing it. So. Well, I know you're, you're being humble about it, but I've had Justin on, I've had Ashley on, they all talk about that. You were the common thread that brought that original three together, uh, because you were their agent. Um, (laughs) and so they do attribute that a little bit to you. So let's move on to this this weekend. You as an agent, you go to Vegas, and you I'm assuming you stay in contact with all of your athletes around the country. What role do you play during that weekend for the um, the people not with you and the people with you? Uh, the people not with me just kind of like hype man, you know, like uh, just texting like Alexis Raptus, right? Like, Lexi, how'd it go? She's like, oh, it's, it's you know, fire over here. It's crazy. Uh, you know, something in the air, like I PR my list. I'm just like, you're awesome. And then just like, keep it moving. It's not really much I can, you know, I'm not, I'm not sitting here like sharing scores with between my athletes. Cause I, I'm supposed to be a vault. Um, but you know, if somebody's like, Hey, this is what I scored on this. What are your thoughts? Knowing all of the other scores like happening around the country, I can kind of be like, Hmm, you might want to go again just to make sure that you're like safely in your final heat, you know, but I won't give them more than that. Um, but yeah, so just hype man for those that I'm not there for or sounding board or support system, right. In terms of like Emma Terry having to pull out because we're back. So that was one where it was like, you know, I, I huddled with her coach, Matt Torres and got on the same page and anything Matt wanted to do, I totally support because Matt's the man and you know, you can trust him with your wife. So, um, you know, hype man and, and support system there. And then in, in the actual in-person athletes, uh, just whatever they need me to do. So, you know, I'll judge Danielle. Um, I, obviously I had to be a support system for Bethany as well. Luckily her fiance, Randy was there too at that time, which was like very, very helpful <laughs> because that was a tough morning um, with her back injury. So yeah, just anything that they need me to do. Um, Annika, you know, judging her, just making sure that, you know, tape lines are set up, standards are being met, film the cameras filming the right things, like wh- whatever it is. I'm just trying to be like a Swiss Army knife and help them out. Um, so, yeah. But in terms of like my most valuable role, I think there is probably judging because I can just kind of, I feel like I can like, I, I always ask the athlete like, hey, what do you want me to do to communicate with you so that you can perform your best, right? Like, and Annika and Danielle, they both want to hear like the, the count. They want to know like each rep. And personally, when I'm like doing the open, I hate that because I'm suffering. I'm like, the last thing I want is to hear somebody being like one, two, three, like, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to 50 and I'm only at four. Like I just right. give me every 10, give me every 15, whatever. But you know, they want to know exactly where they are the whole time for whatever reason. And so, you know, I just drink a lot of water because my voice gets hoarse and I just, you know, count forever and run around and try to be the best judge possible and you know try not to get my head ripped off by them if i uh you know do something that i want (laughs) so you mentioned emma and bethany who both had to pull out due to back injuries um and i know that from an emotional standpoint you probably had to be there as a friend but from a business standpoint, what goes on then? Do you have to contact the sponsors? Do you have an obligation to do that? And then to release it publicly that they've pulled out, you know, they both posted on Instagram. Are you involved in that process? Yeah. So, I mean, to answer the first part, like, yeah, we, we kind of huddle as a team and then, um, 
trying to give them this like their moment to kind of like sulk and feel because that really sucks and you know the all these athletes are they do all this like you know mental work to be you know um like unbeatable and you know like iron mindset and learn from everything it's like yeah that's great but you're also a human being like and what happens sucks like it, it really hurts and you know it, it hurts your heart and and that's okay like you can be you know really pissed off about this for a couple of days and and then we need to start to like plan and move forward. So we try to just give them the space to do that. Um, yeah, we will tell their sponsors and, you know, they're, they're supported by great brands. Um, you know, Emma and Bethany and, you know, their bigger sponsors like Emma with tier and Bethany with born primitive. Um, they just do like a great job of just showing them love and, and supporting them. So that's, um, that's really important. Um, and, and those, all those people behind those brands were, were, were unbelievable. Um, and then, you know, in terms of announcing to people, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like after you take a day or two to, you know, feel your feels, um, we kind of have, we kind of owe it to the community that supports them to let them know. So, you know, Emma, Emma just kind of like r- runs their post by me and I just, yeah, it's good to go. And, and Bethany and, um, you know, one of her best friends who helps run her social account, you know, they did their piece and, and just put it out there. And, you know, those were, those were actually both written by the athletes themselves. So, you know, you kind of feel that, that pain that, you know, they're feeling, but they're both pretty pumped for next season. So we're already, we're already onward. So. Yeah. Their, their posts were um, very motivational for someone who's been through an injury himself. Um, and as have seen that um, I have a question about the pressure though, you know, they don't show up on the leaderboard. You know why they know why, but they need a moment do you feel that pressure when when the media at large kind of grasp on to the fact that their favorite athlete is not on the leaderboard? I mean, I don't really feel so much pressure. I'm still just kind of bummed for them. You know, like luckily for being like a tight knit community and a sport that's growing, it's still easy to kind of have um, connection with everybody who's in the media sphere in the space. And so when we like ask for a moment or they reach out and I just say like, yeah, you know, clearly something happened. Um, just, can you just give us a day or two? Like everyone's genuinely pretty respectful. So, uh, I don't, I don't feel too much pressure, but at some point it's kind of like, Hey man, like we're getting enough comments. Like people are, it's been two days now that you're not on the leaderboard in a row. Like we need to, we need to let them know. Yeah. And so you get through Friday, right. With those, that, those two instances, you think you're through the weekend now and Sunday comes and there's the submission issue with Annika. Yeah. And that's a yeah. whole nother ball of wax. Yeah. I mean, they say like bad things come in threes. So I guess that was number three. Hopefully we're good for the season. Like, cause I'm like, you know, these athletes deserve to, to do their thing and, and not be, uh, you know, unencumbered by technology. But um, yeah, the Annika thing was just, was just brutal, man. And, and, and she knows, right? Like it's her mistake for not screenshotting and, and making sure that she had that, um, you know, that validation that her score went in, but, you know, having, having watched her do the workout, submit the thing right after, you know, reminded her eight times, even though I knew that she had already told me and done it, like, you know, and she's like, yes, yes. Like even up to literally we're driving to breakfast and it is like 1150 PM pacific time right so 10 minutes before submission i'm like hey just final thing like because we're all stuffed in a car with like danielle annika christine best like 
whoever else was in the car, maybe even Kyra or something like we're like, Hey, everyone submitted their scores. And they're all like, yes, you know? And it's like, unless you truly believe that you, you know, like you truly believe that you did because you're not even concerned to look 10 minutes before. Right. That like, so yeah, it's, it just sucks that, you know, she feels she, she very much submitted her score and did her piece and wherever the breakdown was, that's brutal. But I mean, I get where CrossFit's holding the line, but at the same time, it's tough because, you know, she's, she's one of the uh, up and coming stars that's going to help build that brand for, you know, the next decade or more. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a really, really hard thing. And my heart, my heart feels for Annika, but she's going to go out and smash some different competitions. And um, although she's clearly fit enough to be at the games, um, you know, you never know how semifinals would have gone. She could have gone in there and smashed it, right? She almost made it last year without even competing in person, just always on virtual. Um, so after seeing Wadapalooza, like I have no doubt that she would have went out there and qualified for the games, but you never know. There could have been some type of issue where because she's only competed live in person one time, um, maybe she would have learned a hard lesson out there. And, you know, we're not going to give up on trying to learn those hard lessons and, and come in as, as um, kind of um, come in as ready to rock and roll as we possibly can for next season. So she's going to do some tougher uh, competitions this season. So uh, I think she's going to, you know, look to do one of the uh, big competitions, the can West games, which is like, you know, hardware pays off as programming for. So that's kind of exciting. Um, and then I think she's going to try to do the Madrid CrossFit championship as well, which I believe they're also programming. So just like some of those events that have some, have some really like kind of cool, exciting buzz around them. Um, you know, and then the prize purses are solid and she'll be able to get out there and, and compete against some fit individuals and really learn uh, so that when she comes in next year and, you know, has zero submission issues and uh, goes to semifinal, she can be like, yeah, now I have three or four competitions under my belt. I'm ready to rock, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think she's handling it really well from the, from an outsider's perspective. Um, I've made my opinions abundantly clear on this podcast several times and new show, but I want to talk about, now as an organization that this has happened and you've seen it happen, are you going to change any way that you do things with your athletes to ensure that this happens? That does, doesn't happen again. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, the thing is we always talk about like screenshotting scores and things like that because there had been something last year where, you know, Fisagafi had submitted scores and the new scores weren't showing up when she repeated. And luckily she had, um, screenshot of them so that was like helpful for her uh so we've always talked about that and i always send a text reminder to like our our thread saying our, our lab thread like submit your scores etc so i'll continue to do that i'm going to literally uh, like require that everybody screenshots their score and sends it to me directly um not to micromanage but like just to be like hey you should do this and then like give me a paper trail because like what if your phone dropped into the ocean or something like you know like crazier stuff has happened. So um, I'm just going to say like, Hey guys, let's submit our scores with screenshots, send them to me. I'll be a vault. They're not going to go anywhere, but let's just do that. And then in terms of semifinal or quarterfinals, scores don't come out until they, uh, you know, finalize that day's leaderboard anyways. So there's no reason not to just finish the workout, submit them right away, screenshot, be done, move on. Um, there's no like, you know, holding back scores like the open or something like that. If you're trying to win the open, you know, so I would just say that's what we're going to, we're going to do and really make sure that, you know, there's no, no possible issue of this again. So yeah, that, it's that just penalty is way too severe. 
Yeah, it's tough, man. It's, and, and that's the thing, like with online qualifiers, right? And and talking, and this is what like the PFAA is kind of working on too. Is you know, it's it's tough when an athlete is is stopped dead in their tracks, not from their athletic ability, but from a technical piece. And the biggest stress around those workouts for these guys and, and women is that, um, you know, they hope that somebody doesn't walk in front of their camera, right. Or their camera doesn't die or, you know, airplane mode, you know, works, but then, you know, the, they run out of storage or something like that. Like those are the things which is really hard with online competition to, to make sure that, um, you know, to try to mitigate those things. And, and that's the biggest pressure on them. And it's like, I don't know how to necessarily fix that right off the bat, but like, I think we need to figure out a way to work towards making it so that the stressful part is the actual athletic performance, right? Not the, um, video and the standards being met and making sure you don't walk out of screen or somebody doesn't jump in front of your camera or the, you know, lights don't go out during the workout, et cetera. Like, you know, things like that. So that's what I think needs to be figured out. Well, I want to, my last question for you is we have the semifinals coming up. There are four in North America. I don't believe you have any international athletes. I mean, Annika would have been the only one. Yeah, but she's still in um, North I'm sure. America, right? So. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, North America. I, I'm, I'm already thinking about out of the country with Canada. Yes. Right, Canada's right. part of North So um, <laughs> is your plan to go to the all the North American semifinals, or is that something where you'll just kind of be with your athletes via tele- telephone, FaceTime, Skype, whatever? Yeah, I mean, I'm already booked for – you know, both the Knoxville ones and the Granite games. So I'll be there um, wherever my athletes are competing. I usually try to show up. So I'll be at those. And, uh, you know, if somebody gets pushed into Canada, then I'm going to have to figure out arrangements quickly. So here's to hoping they're all stateside to make it easier. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Cooper. Um, I really appreciate you jumping on with us and giving us that perspective. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Cooper, for taking time out of your busy schedule. We really appreciate it. Next up, we have the Blue City Crew. One of their members, Taylor Stride, competed in the team quarterfinals this weekend. Let's get a first-hand account of how that went down and what they think of this year's team quarterfinals. Welcome back to the Blue City CrossFit Show's little edition of the Rig Report. It is the week after. The team quarterfinals has wrapped up for the 2022 season, the second edition of team quarterfinals ever. Yep. Um, And the two versions were a little different from each other. Uh, Taylor, you have participated in both. Matt, you've coached both. I have done the media person role, I guess, (laughs) two times. But Taylor, why don't you give us a little rundown of what was different this year compared to the initial year of 2021? Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of, I think a lot of people talked about it at the end of last year, it was very much an individual competition that was just relay style workouts. Um, put your scores together and voila, there's your, there's your score. So this year, I think CrossFit took that a little bit to heart and actually made it really a team competition, which was exciting. Um, I think for the, definitely for the athletes, but also probably, you know, a little bit for the leaderboard and just overall, um, made it a better, well-rounded competition. Can you give a quick example, maybe like that workout five from last year, like how they were just the exact Yeah. So last year they took the um, individual quarterfinal workouts and basically just made them almost relay style for the team. So the last workout um, individually was like nine, six, three snatch and burpee box jump overs. 
and um they did the exact same thing for team that just went girl guy girl guy yeah. so <laughs> so, um, so they still had that this year they still had yeah and i because I, I, th- I don't think you really want to completely remove that no definitely not but having one of them at the end yes. is, is really and, and having a sprint is always fun so it was a really fun i think good test to finish out the week but if mm-hmm. the first four were fantastically programmed events to get everybody involved yeah and that's kind of you know when you look at the workouts um from this weekend the uh you had kind of everything in there you had the girls and guys going together um then you had all four working together which was something we definitely didn't see last year <laughs> yeah. um and then you had you know the two girls and the two guys working together for a workout um you know you had the strength workout and then the kind of relay style at the end so yeah. you really got a, a com- more complete picture of what a team competition is going to be like a diverse um like sample size of, mm-hmm. of different combinations of teamwork working together. Yeah. Yep. And, and that was, you know, you still, you got, um, one, the first workout was a little higher skill. Um, the second workout was just a grind, you know, you had 150 synchronized burpees with all four people, Ooh. um, which really adds up quickly and just kind of how bad your team wants it at a certain point. I think really that one was probably one of the best team tests for sure. You know, I mean, sprinting back and forth, you know, you didn't really want to have you, if you, you, know, you had to choose who was going to go together. I mean, and you know, you didn't want to have somebody get out too far in front, mm-hmm. but then also team bur- 150 line over team burpees. I mean, that if, you know, if you guys don't work well together, you're quickly going to get a bit, get exposed. So yeah. I think as far as a team aspect goes, that was probably one of the better programmed events that I've seen in a long time. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy going from one workout last year that had synchro in mm-hmm. it to having a four person synchro yeah. just work out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was, you know, we did see uh, three of the four workouts. Yeah, three of the four workouts had um, synchronization stuff in it. So it was pretty cool. Matt, what's the the nuances? Uh, I, maybe it's a, too big of a question, but like what, you know, male-female pairs versus female-female, male-male. Um, how does that kind of, how is that a different test for teams compared to like one versus the other? Uh, it's, I mean same and different, you know, I mean, sometimes, you know, like, well, actually when we didn't have these super teams, I think it was, you know, the, the talk was always, you're only, you know, as, as good as your weakest female. And I don't think that's the case anymore. I mean, you know, uh, females have really picked up, uh, picked up a lot of the, a lot of the slack where the, where maybe some of the men are, um, kind of, kind of lacking a little bit. So, so I like, you know, um, you know, maybe not answer direct answer to that question, but it's like, I like that you had to, you had to choose guys and girls going different, you know, to go in different pairs. And then mm-hmm. you also had to figure out which male or female was going to go first, like on that sprint relay, you know, mm-hmm. you realize you had yeah. choices of where you could hide your better or not worse, but you know, maybe your at your athlete didn't have as high a skill or somebody. So you had really good choices, um, to you know kind of do the best for the team that you had to put out on the field so again going back to the the programming it was it was good that uh that you had those options available yeah i think um to kind of further that you know having the nuances where you had to do the two girls together and the two guys together or guy girl pair um it might change how you strategize a workout so uh if i'm doing and this wasn't even this weekend but if i'm doing synchro ring muscle ups with a guy with Steve, right? I'm going to, I'm going to 
we're going to break those up differently. But if Steve's doing them with Colin, they might go unbroken, you know? And so things like that, where it does change your strategy a little bit because the girls may be weaker at something um, or vice versa. The guys could be weaker at something and you have to, you know, normally if you're paired guy, girl, you kind of know what you're doing. And then if you switch it up a little bit, you yeah. gotta, gotta come up with a different plan. Yeah. To me, it seems, um, you know, the default for a lot of times is like male, female mm-hmm. synchro or like a, full, a four person team workout with like the worm. Right. Yeah. Um, so these different tests are kind of different ways of like, okay, so you're good over here, but like, have you, are you have pretty you solid? With, yeah. Are yeah. You solid over here. Like people do work on that, but it's kind of like, you know, if you have, um, you know, if you had two really good girls and two pretty, pretty got like average guys, like, like above average or whatever, then, you know, they can't, uh, you know, the, the guys will be so slow compared to if they were like together. Yes. Right. So it's kind of stuff like that. Um, they're still finalizing the leaderboard as we wrap up here. Um, yeah, every, and- t- every time you click through, yep. there's a little bit of a change in there. So we got, I think we got a couple days left of, uh, of leaderboard checking. <laughs> yeah. People are like, are, I wonder if they're going to announce some penalties since like you see the leaderboard changing so much. Yeah. Like, I think they're rolling out some penalties. Yeah. But yeah. I um, mean, well, with all, with that said though, I think like your top 10 probably won't move too much, you mm-hmm. know, unless something drastically gets uh, penalized. But uh, you know, I think we all figured the the top would look like it looks right now yep. and uh you know yeah no surprises uh, really in the top yeah. 10 but you know in that you get into that second and third grouping and you're you see a lot of movement so it'll be interesting what happens over the next week um we will see like they said i think they announced that it's going to be finalized on monday on the, the 18th, 18th yeah. invites will go out so we will be recapping the team competition uh for quarterfinals this weekend much more in depth on like our little blue city crossfit show podcast yep. so if you want to dive deeper into it um after you get down to rigport come check us out and hopefully we'll have some good news yeah. <laughs> yes kill it thank you to the blue city crew and if you want to hear more from them check out their podcast the blue city crossfit podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts next up we have cheryl nasso who's going to talk to you about the nutrition hierarchy All right, guys, what's up? This is Coach Cheryl here from Fit Body Secrets. And today I want to talk to you guys about my nutrition hierarchy. If you are a CrossFitter, which I know the majority of our listeners are, uh, you are likely very familiar with the CrossFit hierarchy of fitness. And if you're not, I'm going to go ahead and break that down. At the very bottom of the nutrition, I'm sorry, the CrossFit hierarchy is nutrition. The next step up is going to be your metabolic conditioning. Then you've got gymnastics, then you've got weightlifting, and then you've got sport. So Why I'm bringing this up is because a lot of CrossFitters, we tend to kind of overlook that nutrition one. And it's honestly the one that matters the most, not only for your performance in the gym, but also for your body composition, your health, longevity, energy, all of those types of things. Now, CrossFit did a really good job in its early ages of developing a couple of ways that you guys can track calorie control and dialing in food quality by developing a program that blended the paleolithic diet with calorie counting or or macro counting, which was the zone. However, there were a few flaws in that, whereas the paleo diet often was super restrictive and wasn't very realistic for most people. And that the zone diet was often very low in calories, which wasn't beneficial for people that do have a higher amount of calorie needs because they're super active or they have a lot of stress in their life. So I do think that those two things were a really good way to start to get the foundation of things. But what we're seeing now is this shift into a new culture of people in the nutrition world. And I actually love it, which is basing things more so on uh, macronutrient counting. But once again, this is only a piece of the puzzle. So today I want to talk to you guys about my nutrition hierarchy a little bit, and I'm going to keep this super bullet point, bullet point 
uh, style because I want to be able to add on to this over the next couple of weeks. So at the bottom of my nutrition hierarchy, we do have food quality. This is going to be things like lean proteins, veggies, carbs, but not just from things that are coming naturally from the earth. So I do believe in a paleo foundation. This also includes things like rice and, and some whole grains and things like that, as long as you don't have some type of a food intolerance. Uh, good, good amounts of dairy, whey protein, and things like that can really fit into the base of a high-quality diet. But that is the foundation of working on things. And I like people to think about this from a very 80-20 perspective, meaning that 80% of their diet, their foods are made up of those foods. And then the other 20% are the things that maybe aren't so high quality, but they're actually there for enjoyment, like a piece of birthday cake, some pizza here and there, maybe some sushi and things like that. The next piece of the puzzle for my nutrition hierarchy is going to be calorie control and protein intake. And I really do think that those two things go hand in hand. Some people actually might flip-flop and focus on calories first and then quality. I think that it's almost like interchangeable that they kind of go hand in hand, but I do think that it's a lot easier to start by just focusing on the quality first and then start to get into the calories and the, and the proteins and things like that. So calorie control is what matters most for developing a lean body, also for optimizing things for performance and energy levels, and even overall health and hormone function. So getting in the right balance of calories is going to be very important. The next thing on there is going to be protein, and I, I kind of weight them equally as calories because protein intake has pretty much the same benefits as dialing in calorie intake, especially things like better recovery, more energy, and all of those types of things. So first step is quality. Then we've got calories and protein. Then we've got the macronutrient balance. And there isn't a one size fits all here. I will break this down in a future video. But what I want you guys to know is if you're focusing on that first and you haven't dialed in those next, those first two, it honestly ends up being a little bit more stressful. And sometimes just like the first two can be flip-flopped or kind of go hand in hand, this next one for some people can be at the same time as well. But this should be the next step. It's the third piece of the pyramid. And that's dialing in the amount of carbs and fats you need. It's going to be very individual based, based on your specific goals. But for most people, what I want you to know, if your goal is to get leaner and your goal is to get fitter, a higher carb, lower fat diet, higher protein diet, or I should say about protein per, uh, I'm sorry, protein intake uh, should be about one gram per pound. If we're doing that, then you're likely going to be in a good place going forward. Now, this is where the, the next thing that I normally get is questions about meal timing. And meal timing does matter, but it doesn't matter as much as all of those other things. So even if a person just starts off with me and they start asking me questions about meal timing, I'm going to be like, hey, let's table that for now. Let's just see how you naturally flow. Because meal timing does matter, especially if you're doing double sessions in a day, especially if you um, work out later in the day and you need to make sure that you're timing your meals properly so you have enough energy for your workout. Those things matter, but the bigger marbles matter first. Meal timing is going to be uh, beneficial for those of you guys that have already dialed those things in. And then the last piece of my nutrition hierarchy is going to be supplementation. And this is also honestly one of the first things that people look at when they go to a CrossFit gym. They're like, should I buy this protein powder? And it matters, but what that coach should really be telling them is, well, how much protein are you getting in a day? So it takes them back down to the foundation. So supplements matter, but they're like the top 5%. So Basically, what I wanted you guys to get out of this video is if you are looking to make changes to your body composition, you are looking to improve performance, especially since we are going into the off season, this is the time now to start to look at those marbles and not be in a rush to get to the top level, but to kind of see where you fall and assess what you need to be focusing on the most. So right now, if you're looking at 
what type of a diet you should be following. It should start with a good quality food base. Then it should be dialing in calories, making sure that you're getting enough protein. Then we should be finding that right macro balance for you. Then we should be dialing in the meal timing based on your preferences and your workout schedule. And then we should be looking at what supplements you might need to be taking on top of it all. So hopefully this video was helpful. Have a good week and I will talk to you all soon. Thank you, Cheryl. Make sure to check out more great information from Cheryl on Fit Body Secrets, the podcast that's right here on the Clydesdale Media Network. Next, we have a sit down with Hannah Hardy. Tom Lennon from the Type 1 Lifting Podcast talks to her about what it was like to finish 23rd in, the North, in North America for the individual quarterfinals and to decline that invitation to go team. All right, so... All right, guys, welcome to a first episode of The Rig Report. I have CrossFit athlete Hannah Hardy. How's everything going? Oh, I'm doing great. How about yourself? No complaints. Well, thank you for coming on. Actually, this will, if it was my podcast, you'd be on the, for the fourth time. So, but um, actually, this might be a podcast anyway. But uh, so I do want to talk about quarterfinals with you because I know you signed up for it. I believe you were 82nd in the semifinals. Um, so the, the I was, open, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was 82nd there and, uh, floored about that. Yeah. That, I, I was impressed. And then you actually weren't planning to do the quarterfinals cause you were going team. And so what made you decide to do quarterfinals? Um, so I woke up Thursday morning and I received like a bunch of just messages on all of like the YouTube workout link, uh, leaks. So, um, I was like, this is bogus. Like, I don't know where people are getting these. And I just had to see it for myself. Once I saw that it was true, I was like, Hmm, these workouts are actually kind of fun and kind of good for me other than <laughs> the strength, which with that, I thought at least the clean could be buffered by my bench and my overhead squat. So, mm. um, I gave CrossFit $50 right then and there Thursday okay. morning. And I know your coach was just like not a big fan of you doing it. So obviously he let you do it anyway. So did it actually tax you a little bit more than usual for these workouts? Um, not really. Um, when, I mean, this was kind of in my programming, I, like in my block, I had individual quarterfinals, so he had to make workouts for me anyway. So once I said, Hey, can I just give the workouts a shot? I, th I think he just thought that I would just do them for fun on my own without like any stress whatsoever. And then I just like started texting people doing individual quarterfinals at my gym, being like, <laughs> when are you going to the gym? Can I work out with you? And just like got everything together. So, you know, by the time like three o'clock, uh, three o'clock Eastern standard time happened, pretty much we started with workout four. So we had everything set up, ready to go. Okay, cool. So workout four. I've seen, so how did you how did you strategize through throughout the whole process? So I knew that I wanted to do the strength first, mm -hmm. and just to get out of the way, I knew that was going to be my worst workout, and I just wanted to put my best foot forward. So and kind of just like get the like mo most stressful event out of the way, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So I could just go and work out and have fun with the rest of them. So I just had a game plan my cleans weren't feeling that good warming up i ended up just like warming up to like 187 and just mm. starting right there um and just seeing how it went and i was just gonna go like 10 minutes 10 minutes per lift and 
Um, I hit 217 on the clean. Pretty stoked about that. I Heck tried. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's only like eight pounds off my PR, so I can't complain about that. Um, the bench, I'm, I, uh, at least like, I got like a two pound PR at 187. I like, I went for 192. I feel t- like 200 is in the tank, but just my left arm did not want to cooperate whatsoever. <laughs> I was like, my right arm would go up and then my left arm would just like just struggle. And then I would just be looking at my spotter, like, why can't I do this? <laughs> um, and then that just left me for the overhead squat. I had another two pound PR at 227 and stoked about that. I mean, I like tried 232 with like 45 seconds left. I actually didn't have like anybody to help me um, with like cleaning up my bar, putting it back in. So I also had to like drop 227 quickly, get rid of all my, like all the weight, clean it back up. Um, But it was fun. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. If, if I had to do the quarterfinals, that, that work, that workout would probably be my bread and butter. So I, I love overhead squatting bench. I haven't done it that much, but you know, even clean, I, I love doing cleans, but I know, um, CrossFit's actually had some issues with posting people's workouts and their hips are coming off the ground. So off the bench. So what do you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, rules are rules and people know that CrossFit, they want your butt on the bench. And if you obviously see it rise up, you, you can't count it. Um, like I don't, it's like I, and I get why people like CrossFit do, doesn't want like the, the arch powerlifting position. They just, they want to like show strength. So I think having like that position is like, it's not from that point. It's like, you're, sh- you're showing someone strength, not just that, that little like technique thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's been, it's been weird, like seeing like who's getting dinged, who's not. Um, and I don't know if it's like, it's more like the CrossFit media side of things since they are kind of like outsourcing, maybe that they just don't know that those reps or what's being posted, like aren't good reps and mm-hmm. that's what's been going on. Um, but there's this, like, there's that question be like, why, why are some people skirting by and then then you have this, these other athletes that are like losing out on semifinals or just going down the leaderboard when like, I didn't think their reps were that bad compared to some that are going by. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. They should have, I I believe they should have like some standard of judges that actually get paid for it. So I know there's one YouTube channel. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but like Andrew Hiller, he actually had this like numbers of to pay people to judge all these workouts. And it was for like, if you like 36 hours or something like that. And then, you know, of, of watching videos for, you know, 20 people, they get paid this amount and they should know the guidelines like verbatim pretty much. And I, and I agree. I think, I think some of these judges should get paid. And I don't know if the CrossFit team, the, the judges team and for CrossFit actually do get paid to watch these videos, but if they don't, they it's, I really do think they should. Cause you know, watching videos and like the same movement every single time can be very, very, boring right and no like i really do agree that the people like people that are dedicating their time to like actually watch these videos like a they should i mean i believe they like should be at least like an l2 or l3 coach uh and paid for their time to watch these videos Mm -hmm. and you know like to be honest like i even heard like from 
like some athletes that like CrossFit, if you don't like submit your videos, they don't even ask for all of them too. So like <laughs> even like that part of things where like, okay, like CrossFit, like, like, I don't know, like you need to, you need to pay, but at the same time, like you need, like, I think judges should be rewarded for what they do. And then at the same time, I'm like, okay, well, you can't like, I don't know. There's just like a lot of things going on that I think will be worked out over time, yeah. but it's just kind of frustrating right now. Yep. No, I, 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 I can imagine. I can definitely imagine. So um, after you did workout four, what was the next workout that you did? So the next workout I did was workout two. So that okay. was the uh, pistol GHD ring muscle up one. Okay. And what, what was the reason why you did that one? Um, I knew that if I like, waited for the, particularly the ring muscle ups over the weekend, I just knew that fatigue would set in. So I just wanted to attack that next. I knew like the pistol and the GHD volume wasn't that much mm-hmm. in comparison to at least last year. Uh, so I was, I said, why not give it a go? Um, so that was the reason why I did it second. And my plan was just cruise through the pistols and the GHDs. So that way I would just jump straight up to the rings and hit the 10 unbroken. And I pretty much went to plan until like the last set, I went seven, three, but like, other than that, like that was my only, you know, execution error. So I'll take it. Okay. Hey, I mean, uh, going unbroken for two rounds for 10 ring muscle ups after you doing all that, all, all that volume, it's definitely, I don't know. That's definitely taxing. Cause I know I, I can't do 10 ring muscle ups in a row. So that's impossible. <laughs> No, I was like pretty floored after my second set. Um, I mean, it was hard. Like my last one, I was like, oh man, like I barely locked that out. So um, going into the last round, I was like, I probably will have to break it up. So I'm glad I hit the seven, three or I didn't like implode. Cause I've, I think like a lot of athletes probably like maybe went out too hot and then just ended up like dying on that last set. Yeah. Do you think they would, pe- do you think people would go too hot on the pistols or the GHDs? Um, uh, in my opinion, I mean, I think a lot of people saw those two movements as like, oh, that's where I need to catch up or just like, you know, put the like pedal to the metal kind of thing and then manage the ring muscle ups if that was their weakness. And, you know, like in that workout, ring muscle ups were my weakness, but I knew if I just took off the throttle on the other two movements and just allowed myself to breathe and like I held a piece of chalk the entire time, that way I didn't have to like go reach down, go get chalk anything like that i could just like easily walk from my ghd to the rings and jump up whereas i think the people who thought they needed to bank time ended up just crashing and burning because like their heart rate was through the roof and they just overtaxed muscles that you need it for the muscle ups Mm -hmm. so did you wear lifters throughout the whole time of that workout no uh i live in my versa lifts so they're tucked in my shoes (laughs) nice nice and then um so what was your time on that workout uh, it was eight fifty nine. Dang, that's quick. That was a fifteen minute time cap too. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, I was floored. I mean, that was technically like imami and everything. So, I don't, like I'm floored with people who went, you know, like the low sevens. I can't even imagine doing that. Yeah, that's that's insane. That's insane. So, what what was the next workout after that? So my last workout I did that day was workout one. So the handstand push up lunge one. Okay. And man, I was so pumped for that. I thought that was going to be my favorite workout of the weekend. And I just imploded. Like I think a lot of people did as well on literally the last two movements, the overhead yeah. walking lunge and the strict handstand push up. Um, <laughs> I love handstand push ups and I love lunges and particularly overhead walking lunges with the dumbbells. 
So I like went full force through like like the first two sections of it. And then when I picked up the dumbbells overhead, first of all, I didn't read the standards and didn't realize like you couldn't put like the dumbbells together over your head, like touching them. Yeah. I mean, but good thing I was already smoked at that point because I couldn't do that whatsoever because my shoulders were gone. Yeah. So I, I was saved, but I went, I had to drop the dumbbells twice and then I failed my eighth strict handstand pushup. And I was, that was not fun. And I immediately texted my coach, Austin, and was so mad. And he was wondering like why I was mad because he didn't think I signed up. <laughs> he's like why are you so mad uh, you beat me in it and I'm like no you don't understand I don't want this to define me because these are good movements for me but uh it was a really fun one and now I know that like maybe my shoulder endurance does need some work mm -hmm. yeah so like what do you what do you think more more like handstand push-up volume or overhead stuff um, I definitely think I need to work on a little bit of uh, mobility. Like, I think my shoulders are good, but um, there's like some like little, like, I think little things I can work on. And mm. then definitely strict handstand pushup volume in the sense of going for fast reps. I love resting at the top of a handstand pushup. Um, so, and rather than kick down to kick back up, it's kind of like a wall ball. Like when you drop the wall ball, like I just don't want to do another wall ball. So yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, I feel the same way with handstand pushups. Uh, but I just need to get in the habit of maybe just doing like a quick set of five, coming back down, going right back up. Uh, and so those two things, mobility, and then some just a uh, different technique things on the mm. handstand pushups. Yeah. And I, and I know in the misfit program, they were doing um, a lot of like overhead lunging it's, for, except for like, it's like single, single armed over like walking lunges. So, I mean, maybe they can, we could implement it more in the misfit program or not. I don't know, you know, Drew, are you hearing me? So. No, I remember like we did some like double like overhead walking lunges, but mm -hmm. I think like a, like with CrossFit's new standard for them, I think that needs to be worked because if you can get them super stacked and kind of like resting on top of each other over you, it, it, like the, your, the shoulder burn isn't as much so, um, but with the dumbbells now being apart and you, I mean, it's all shoulder stability at that point, mm -hmm. maybe like training that standard more. Okay. Okay. All right. So that was the end of day one. So day two. So what, what was the workout for that you did started on day two? Day two, I actually only, I did team training only. So okay. fri my Friday, since I had workouts one and two in. Uh, I mean, I was fine with submission deadlines and yeah, so I ended up doing a couple warm workouts and just like some, just, just, I don't know. I think it was the class strength we did. So that's actually how my Friday went. <laughs> so were, and, you, were, were you pretty fatigued after day one? Like what, what was um, like, what was burning you the most? And my quads were, my quads were pretty sore. Oh, am I? And my, my butt, oh my gosh, those lunges did get me a ton. Yeah. Um, yeah, quads like throughout the weekend got worse, but yeah, no, my, my glutes were on fire and I, I was, I was kind of concerned. I knew that I was going to be okay, but yeah, no, I was, I was wrecked more than I thought I would, but that's what intensity brings. Like, you know, like, I mean, granted it was 120 lunges, but 
I don't know. Like, I, I think just like that next level intensity just brings on a level of soreness you're not prepared for. Yes. No, I, I agree. That was, that was like me on night. Was it 19 the rowing and the wall ball workout? Oh yeah. I went absolute ham on that. Cause I did two wheelhouse workouts as being six, six. So I was like, okay, let's go. And so I, I went pretty far. And then like the next morning I was like, so my quads were so sore that like I was holding my, my, my son and looking down the stairs and I'm like, I don't even know how I'm going to make it down the stairs. Like I, so like my son and I were just like sitting on our, uh, sitting on our butts, just scooching down the stairs. Cause like, I couldn't walk. No, you gotta do what you gotta do. I think sometimes <laughs> like the people in my apartment complex, they, uh, they probably just like see me like st- either staring like down the stairs or like staring up and being like, why is this like fit girl, like concerned about uh like going up the stairs and sometimes i just need to like pray to god real quick yep yep no i i hear you i hear you i've I've been the same way multiple times multiple times so um so day day three for you what was the workout what was the workout that you did so day three i um i actually had to do this before team training again but um we i did the rope climb one so the wall ball shuttle run rope climb workout yeah yeah, so obviously there's been a lot of talk about the shuttle runs and how the time's coming in and people not doing the shuttle runs. Like, on in your point of view, what what was the reason why these guys were not getting the amount of shuttle runs they were supposed to? Um, I I think I mean it's just not looking at the standards again, kind of like bringing up like bringing your butt off the bench kind of thing. So, um, if you didn't read that one rep was like two times 25 feet. Like mm-hmm. I get how people can miss that. Um, I, I mean, when I first read it and saw that a rep was 50 feet, I'm like, oh, it's just like 50 feet, like 50 foot shuttles. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that made no, no sense because that wasn't even like on, like the equipment list said, like you need 30 feet. Yeah. So I don't even know where I, why I'm like, oh, it's a 50 foot shuttle. But um, I mean, it wasn't until like someone pointed it out that I was like, oh, that also that makes more sense because a shuttle run like the word shuttle implies that you should go like down and back so mm-hmm. <laughs> like i was like oh that makes more sense you've never played basketball at all right I, no i i mean i have i mean i i'm the suicide queen so that's why i actually was a, a i was a fan of the shuttle runs <laughs> so was do you think that was like a game changer when it came to the, that workout just going down and back I really do think so. Like I like a, like it does blow up your back. I mean, especially if um, you don't like switch sides that you're leaning down and touching the line with um, and just the repetitive hinging that, you know, you typically don't have running mm-hmm. also like there are those like literal nuanced things that if you're, if say you played basketball or volleyball and had a bunch of suicide sprints, you know, as conditioning, I mean, just like ex- making sure to accelerate off the line not do like the little like like pitter patter step as you you're getting to the far line to go touch it's like those little things that i actually like the like quote unquote like athletes of the group could shine a little bit more because that was like the majority of the workout it was i think over a thousand meters of, of shuttle runs yeah i think so because looking at the numbers it was like four eight twelve sixteen twelve eight and four and that's like 25 right. feet yeah so that's roughly about that yeah yeah, that's a long, long time. <laughs> it was a very long time. Yeah. And so um, after that, did you do, did you do workout five after that? No, I ended up doing workout five on Sunday. 
Okay, so obviously that's that's a you know full throttle pedal to the metal kind of workout. So what what was your thoughts during that workout? I mean, pretty much that. I knew that I knew the snatches were gonna cause me some issue. Uh, so I knew that I couldn't I couldn't go like full throttle on the other two movements. Uh, or at least I thought at the moment. In hindsight, I think I could have gone a little bit harder in the beginning and still would have had the same snatching ability. I mean, to be honest, I I couldn't touch and go. I was squat snatching from rep two. I wasn't planning on it, uh, but that's kind of what happened. So in hindsight, I'm like, oh yeah, I should. And like rowing and burpee box jump overs are very good movements for me. Those are like two wheelhouse movements. So I, sh- I think in that case, I should have just, gone all out and then see what happened on my snatches and it could have been it's one of those that you could rest five minutes and do it again if you so wanted to mm-hmm. yeah yeah no i hear you and i know that there's there's some people that were just going like touch and go with the snatches at like 10 it was like insane i'm like holy smokes so like 185 i could i could i could probably get maybe geez um six or seven maybe if that I, the thing is, like, I've done 135 or eight fresh mm-hmm. or after, like, other, well, like, that's the thing, yeah. tests, but uh, not fatigued. Like, fatigued, I just want to automatically squat snatch regardless of the weight, including, like, 95 pounds. So, <laughs> um, but, I mean, it was a really fun workout. And with that, it was, it was also, like, a mental win because, like, strength is a weakness of mine. And mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, I could still place, like, you know, top 80 on that workout, even though that maybe that's not a comfortable weight for me quite yet. Like that was actually pretty cool. Yeah. Very cool. And so after, after all this, you know, all the workouts and everything that, what did you place for the quarterfinals? So I placed 23rd in North America. Gosh, that's amazing. Good for you. Yeah. I'm, I was not expecting that whatsoever. Uh, I, I mean, I thought, I know that I could make semifinals, but the fact that I could call myself in like the top 25 is just insane to me. And especially with like two workouts were, that were not so good for me. Um, so I'm, I'm floored. It definitely gives me confidence going into next year, like considering going individual a little bit more and more. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you're probably going to have to withdraw from the individual side because you're going team this year. So I know I know you're doing all the workouts. You were, you know, doing team practices, but obviously this kind of gave you a little bit of an itch to even to, to definitely go maybe individual next year, right? Oh, for sure. I'm I'm actually super stoked to go individual and I didn't feel that way. Like I got like a little itch after the open and then this kind of solidified that I, I need to go after it and, or I'm just gonna be like kicking myself if I don't. So mm-hmm. I'm committed to team this year. I'm so, I'm so stoked to be with my teammates, but yeah, next year, I, I think I'm going to just give it a shot on my own and see what happens. Okay. All right. All right. And so all in all, what do you think about the, all, all the five workouts? I thought it was pretty well-rounded. I, I, I know that like people are saying that um, there should have been more like longer time domain ones, um, which I mean, which is fair. I, I get where they're coming from, but I really do think they tested a whole slew of things. I love that it wasn't just like the strength test. It was three things, not just, you know, four at max front squat, like last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, 
I mean, and they're trying to include things like running, you know, which is a huge part of fitness and, you know, like they have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I think over time, like we said previously, they'll like iron out the, the little wrinkles, but there's going to be people that complain who just want to complain. And oh, I really, always, yeah. Yeah. And I really did like these workouts. I thought they're perfect for what this is supposed to do is just to qualify us to the next round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Now I know you said you were going team. So when does, do the team workouts come out yet? Uh, so the team workouts come out at, I mean, if they're not leaked, uh, tomorrow <laughs> at 3 PM. Okay. So, well, so, um, what are you, what are you expecting out of doing the team workouts? Um, I mean, I'm expecting a whole new like test because we got the floor plans. Nothing is the same. I mean, our equipment list was very barren in comparison to, I mean, the age groups and the individuals, mm-hmm. but, uh, I, but looking at them too, it looks like it's actually going to be a test of team fitness rather than last year. It was a bunch of you go, I go, or individual tests. There's only one true team test. So I think that's gonna be different this year. And you might actually see like different teams pop on the leaderboard that actually deserve to be there and not just have four fit individuals on the team. Mm -hmm. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing this. Um, you know, I do appreciate it. I'm looking forward to seeing your team kill it this in the team series. So, uh, you know, Hannah Hardy, thank you for doing this. No, thanks for having me. All right, I'll catch you later. See ya. Thank you, Tom and Hannah, for that great insight. If you want to hear more from Tom and Type 1 Lifting Podcast, check it out right here on the Clydesdale Media Network. Next up is our friends from Fantasy Fitnessing. They do a comparison from games athletes of last year to who's moving on in the semifinals this year. And you'll be surprised to know that 14 female athletes and five male athletes are already eliminated from the individual semifinals who went to the games last year for a variety of reasons, but they look at that now. Hi, everybody. Um, It is Catherine and Dave here from Fantasy Fitnessing, and we are just kind of going to run through some games field historical stats and sort of what it means looking at the semifinals field so far this year, who's in and who's not competing anymore. So, so yeah, I guess we, we dove into a bit last week, just trying to uh, chip away the time between quarterfinals and semifinals. Um, and so I guess what stuck out to us is that looking at athletes that aren't advancing to semifinals due to injury or retirement or choosing not to compete or suspension um, or other reasons um, not listed there. But um, on the women's side, I think we had, what was it, 15 athletes that competed at the 2021 games uh, aren't moving on to semifinals. And on the men's side, um, five. Um, so um, was a, a big difference there, um, taking a look at that. So that, that was really the caveat and kind of the push to be, okay, this seems extreme that, you know, 15 women aren't competing um, or definitely aren't com- or advancing to the games this year. So like, what, do we, what did that mean from previous years? Um, so that really started us to dive into the data that way. And so we dove into it. Um, Looking just from 2011 onward, um, just kind of using that line in the sand that once the games got a bit settled, 
On the women's side, um, we saw that on average, um, about 51% of the field from the previous CrossFit Games repeats their attendance there. So uh, generally about half the field um, will come over. So then on the men's side, um, looking again at those same numbers, um, on average, you know, 46% of the games field repeats from previous years. So um, less than half. So larger turnover ratio than we see on the women's field. All right. Those stats are all kind of looking backwards at past games years. And then we thought we would sort of pull it forward to what's happening so far this year. Yeah. So I guess what it is interesting to see that um, at least on the women's side of the field, you know, we are you know, at that 65% um, potential repeat. So um, there is a lot of people who are, um, you know, on the outside looking in, and there is a lot of potential for fresh face, fresh faces, I should say, certainly on the women's side. But, um, you know, from a rookie standpoint, you know, looking at the fields and the athletes left competing, um, you know, of the, the 300 competitors that we're going to be seeing at semifinals, um, on the women's side, 53 of them have past games experience. Um, so I guess, what is that, like 17, 18% of the field have made a trip to the games before as an individual athlete. And then on the men's side, um, you know, actually jumps up um, even higher. So 68 of the 300 men competing have past games experience as well. So, you know, what is that, 23, 20, 23%. So, um, you know, it's tough as a rookie to break into the, the field even more. So I guess, again, those declining rates just show these athletes are just staying in the game longer, staying at that um, level of competitiveness that, you know, when there's 40 game spots available and there's, you know, 53 women and 68 men who have uh, competed at the games, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of room for disappointment from those past games athletes. Um, you know, even if you assume they're all going to make it, that's, 13 past games athletes or female past games athletes that aren't going to make it in at least 28 on the men's side. Yeah. And given that there was 10 male rookies at the games, the past two years of the games. Um, and one of those was a smaller field with it being 2020. So yeah, there are going to be lots of names that we all know that are not going to go to the games this year. Yeah. So yeah, that's our kind of look back at games field sort of breakdowns and then what it could mean for moving forward this season. And I think the next podcast we're going to do is kind of going to be looking at the strengths of those semifinal fields. Okay. Thanks for uh, listening, everybody. Um, you know, make sure to sign up for your free account on fantasyfitnessing.com. Um, we'll send out some emails once we get closer to semifinals and the kickoff of our, our free fantasy CrossFit games there. Uh, and then, as always, follow us on Instagram at Fantasy Fitnessing. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you, Dave and Catherine. And if you want to check out more from the Fantasy Fitnessing folks, you can watch their podcast right here on the Clydesdale Media Network. Next up, we have the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast, who sat down with James Newberry, and we talked to him about what it was like to compete in the quarterfinals and then do an Olympic distance triathlon. Um, I want to start with the, the biggest news right now going on with you, and that is that you did the quarterfinals and an Olympic 
triathlon in the same mm-hmm. weekend. Yes. So yes. Tell, tell us that story. So um, getting ready for uh, the, I guess the, the quarterfinals, it, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a huge, huge, huge priority. Um, I had really only done maybe a handful of CrossFit sessions in the last couple of months. Um, I'm, I'm living in Geelong now uh, with my girlfriend and we've kind of just like put in the calendar, all these really, you know, fun uh, races to do. And we wanted to try and knock off the list. We wanted to get uh, a sprint distance, uh, a sprint distance, triathlon we wanted to get a crossfit comp under our belt we wanted to do an olympic distance a half ironman a full ironman um half marathon marathon and then also dabble in a little bit of powerlifting and uh uh olympic weightlifting competitions throughout the year so it was kind of just like getting them all you know ticked off the list but also you know having fun with them at the same time and it just so happened that the olympic distance triathlon that we had put in the calendar was on the same weekend as uh quarterfinals and I was like, oh, well, it looks like I'll just be doing quarterfinals over Friday, Saturday, and then, just, you know, do the Olympic on Sunday. So I kind of busted it all out, like, fairly, fairly close together. Um, and so I ended up doing six events that weekend um, because I had to redo one of my events because my camera didn't start, which is a, which is a bit of a bugger. So I did, um, I got as many done as I could on Friday, and then I did a couple more on Saturday. And then I was not very conditioned to CrossFit. Um, so doing like high repetition squats and lunges and things like that, it toasted my legs. <laughs> it was actually pretty funny when I woke up on um, Sunday morning and I was just, it was super early. We're heading out down to the race, which is probably about maybe a mile bike ride. So we got in our bikes, still dark and we're riding down and we're like, oh, my legs are actually really sore. But as soon as I got into it, it was actually quite fine. Um, and yeah, and then we just basically, we hit the Olympic on the Sunday morning and yeah, had a blast. How did your recovery go after that? Well, we did have, we did have a, we did have a few drinks at the end of that. <laughs> so, all right, there you go. <laughs> but uh, all in all, I was, I was good about a day later. Like I wasn't sore. It was basically just the doms from not, you know, when you when you, do you know high repetition wall balls or high repetition uh pistols for the first time in a long time even even though you've been training the stimulus that is just it just triggers you for me in particular those movements just get my doms going crazily um i guess it's just not something that my muscles don't get used in that way on a on a regular basis unless i'm training specifically for a competition Mm -hmm. if i was training for competition like you know you can hit two or 300 wall balls and not be sore the next day if you're conditioned for that stuff. But when you don't touch, you know, uh, fast uh, rebound uh, wall balls or, uh, or pistols, like just for me, that just gets me going. And yeah, I was just super sore, but it doesn't take long for me to bounce back either. Like yesterday after the marathon, I was extremely tight and sore all around my hips, all down through my legs. I'm still a little bit sore today, but I'm 50, 60% better than I was yesterday. So Amy likes to recover with an ice bath and a beer after any physical activity. Love mm-hmm. that. Love that. Mm-hmm. That's how long I stay in the ice bath, however long it takes me to finish the beer, and then I know it's done. <laughs> it's time to get out and recover. Love that. Yeah, I do I do like an ice bath too. Um, luckily enough, where I've lived most of my life, I'm 
in very close quarters to the ocean. So I've been using, I use the ocean a fair bit and we do a lot of our open water swims just here in the ocean instead of in a lake or in a river or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, ice baths are something like I had in my house in Adelaide. Um, I had an ice bath in the recovery room. I had an infrared sauna, a float tank, um, I like a Norman tech setup. Um, it was, yeah, I had, I had everything that you could possibly want. And then I had the ocean like a hundred meters away. So I was like spoiled for choice when it came to recovery and recovery is something that I really do, um, look at as a big thing, especially if I'm trying to compete in so many different things. And, you know, the idea for, for this is, you know, to have as much fun as I possibly can. Um, and I also want to make sure that at the end of a, a competitive career and competing in sport that I can still go for a surf if I want to. I'm not going to be so, my body's not going to be so worn away that I can't, I can't surf, I can't hike, I can't travel, all these things that, you know, I can currently do. Um, I still want to be able to do them when I'm 60, 70 years old. So just trying to make sure that I am doing the right things for my body whilst also pushing it to its limit on a regular basis. If you want to hear the full interview with James, check it out this Monday on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Well, that's it for this week. Make sure you smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notifier so you're the first to know when brand new content becomes available. We'll see you next week on The Rig Report.